0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 359 of the podcast of Ghost Snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason, Ghost Baby Venable, and it's a b-b-b-bonus flashback episode on Wolverine number 44. And I know, I'm going to be hit and miss on whether bonus episodes are really bonus or not, or whether they're really just whole episodes, but this one will probably be pretty short. have one issue that's kind of a sidebar. In fact, this episode really goes in conjunction with um, 358, which should come out at the same time, uh, featuring, of course, the the majestic John Wilson. And we talked about how this issue kind of pivots from one scene in issue 43. Wolverine kind of has a flashback slash memory, and then carry on with the rest of 43. Of course, you don't know that in 43. You only know it from the first page of this issue, but we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, yeah, definitely a kind of commercial <laughs> issue. Um, in the middle of uh, Larry Hama's run up to Wolverine 50, uh, there's going to be a couple of these that just kind of stick out like a sore thumb as not being really part of uh, his uh, his march to 50. Um And 44 is one of those Um, so we have the first page by silvestri um, and it's a really cool page it's a wolverine at night in central park perched on a big rock um, with the moon behind his head and that is really just a full page splash version of one of the panels like i said from issue 43 uh, before he goes to the zoo, he kind of stops on that rock. You know, uh, John and I talked about it. And he kind of thinks, self-narrates for a minute, and then you know goes to the zoo and has that whole story. Well, here, it's that same scene, but he stops and remembers some other stuff. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I didn't want to point out this first page is by Sylvester because that's all that Silvestri does. Well, other than the cover. He also does the cover, which is Wolverine underwater, um, as menace as old as time, as cold as death, and he's in the, like the jaws of a sea creature, like a sea monster. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of that uh, the Axe of Vengeance Tiger Shark cover by John Byrne. Um, it's actually a really nice cover, though. It's it's a really clean sylvester cover. Like um, Wolverine's cow and claws, everything just really. Crisp and clean. Um, whereas he's been doing a little bit sketchier, like torn up uniforms. He's, uh, this uniform is, is fresh out of the dryer until he goes into the water. <laughs> but some really nice cover. Nicely colored, nicely rendered. It, it looks really good. Um, as far as the rest of this comic, we have Babes at Sea, which is uh, written by Peter David, penciled by Larry Strowman, inked by Al Milgram. Letters by Pat Brosseau, And colors by Steve Buccioletto. Um, yeah, and, like we said, Wolverine starts perched on a Central Park rock. And then he's thinking about how he just almost drowned with Sabretooth, um, in issue 42, or 41 and 42, really, where he fights Sabretooth in the sewer, uh, gets the dad bomb dropped on him, almost drowns, um... You know, and he says, Well, there's another time I was in the water, and then we get this story, <laughs> which is basically him having like a bad dream about a floating, like, ghost, like, in utero baby. Um, and actually, this first couple of pages are really cool. It's kind of psychedelic looking, um, of him, the baby getting swallowed by almost like, uh, you've ever been to like, what's the museum of like the big, like, ancient shark jaws it's just the jaws just the bones the baby kind of gets swallowed up by that and Wolverine tries to follow and it's all these like waves of pink and yellow and orange it looks really cool um, and then there's a uh, Bonaventura uh, cruise ship in the in the background and Wolverine wakes up in the cabin of the cruise ship he kept having these dreams and he went to the dock and saw the ship. He's like, "Well, that's the boat for my dreams. I gotta get on that business." And he did. And so he gets in the in the boat, goes on this cruise. But he, the nightmares just keep getting worse. So he walks around the cruise and he meets three pregnant women. And and Peter David, I guess being progressive, talks about how all three of them are unmarried. They're all three single moms to be. Like, Where are the odds that all three will... And they met at their gynecologist and decided, hey, let's be friends and go on a cruise together. I'm sure that kind of thing happens in real life all the time. I don't know, maybe it's a really wealthy like clientele and they can all be like, yeah, let's just pick up and go on a cruise with strangers. Um. Anyway... So Wolverine meets him, he kind of flirts with him a little bit, but then he hears this demonic laughter. And one of the girls went for a swim, but she is killed in the pool. And there's blood in the pool, and Wolverine jumps in, and he tries to, he sees this creature. And he tries to fight it. but doesn't have much luck. And then he meets the first ghost baby. He was trying to eat me, the baby says, underwater, I guess telepathically. So Wolverine... Swims back up, pulls the body out, but it's too late. So he tells the other two girls, go to your cabins, sit tight. If he's trying to eat babies, he may be after your babies. I don't want that to happen. So, you know, I'm going to literally jog around the cabin. (laughs) Actually, kind of like the art in this issue, but uh, Wolverine, he puts on his costume that night to kind of investigate and stroll around. But he's all like hopping like a kangaroo. Uh, It's kind of funny. So he hops around the deck looking for this evil monster. He checks on the girls' cabins just to see if anyone circles around. One of the girls gets bored, gets literal ship cabin fever, can't stay in there any longer. She's she's had as much as she can take, and she she leaves and she goes in the elevator, and this giant monster fist breaks through the ceiling and and grabs her and, and, and eviscerates her. And Wolverine hears the scream, and he pries open the elevator doors, sees the hole in the roof. There's a hole in the roof! And uh, he climbs through the hole. all um, oh, again, the art's really cool, and he sees the just mangled body hanging in the elevator cables. And then he sees the monster, and he tries to fight the monster. But the monster uses his own claws to cut. Like he, you know, Instead of the stop hitting yourself, he's like... But killing everyone, Wolverine, he grabs Wolverine's hand and uses Wolverine's claws to cut the elevator cables. And then runs away. Now Logan is left. He grabs both sides of the elevator cables. It's really hard on his muscles and his adamantium bones. And he can't hold on forever. But then the monster comes back and hits him, gives him a little love tap. And he falls down. Everyone in the elevator dies, except for Wolverine. And he sees another ghost baby, just kind of looking at him sadly, like... You you couldn't save me, they got me, and um, of course the police and security are all like, "This is kind of suspicious." Here's this guy dressed in this costume, he's got claws, and everybody's dying. Like maybe we should do something. He's like, "I don't have time for you guys," and he runs off. Um, (laughs) Then we go to our last girl, our last pregnant single mama, and, um, she sees something come through her window, she's got the little port window opened, I guess, taking in the sea breeze, um, and this hand reaches in and grabs her, and it's about to kill her, and Wolverine literally, like, hops in, again, kind of like a kangaroo, and the way Strowman draws his cow kind of has a kangaroo-type feeling to it, actually, um, it's actually a really cool art. Um, it's just kind of funny. It's not typical Wolverine action. It's kind of bouncy. It's not bad, and it looks cool. Um, it's just different, I guess. So anyway, Wolverine bounces, and we get some more just great panels. I really like Strowman's Wolverine, actually. Um, and he knocks the creature or the demon or the monster off the side of the boat overboard into the water and realizes that metal, the, the beast does not like metal. And so he uses his claws, and then they're heading towards the uh, rotors. Um, I'm sorry, the the ship propellers. he's like, well, if he doesn't like my claws, he's really going to hate these. And he uh, puts the the demon monster through the propeller and somehow manages not to get sucked in um, as he turns the ocean into monster stew. Um, So he says, no more babies for you. And he goes back on the boat, dresses back in his Logan clothes, goes to check on the last lady who has long brown hair in one panel and then short blonde hair in the next panel. (laughs) And says, you know what? I think your baby's going to be real special. And she's like, aw, thanks, Logan. That's great. I love you. You'll never see us again. (laughs) The end. The end. I uh, didn't want to point out one thing uh, so there's one of those uh, entertainment this month if you remember those ads and There's an ad for X-Men upcoming number one And it's got the Jim Lee like Cyclops art, but it's all like miscolored Like his Cyclops with the yellow visor red wristbands and then a blue shirt and blue pants and black undies um, It's actually not a bad look and they should should made me do that sometime of course, he has the 90s, like, T strap on his chest. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, so this story is kind of not my favorite kind of Wolverine story. I mean, there's a monster in the water. I'm gonna cut it up and, you know, that stuff. Um, I like the art. I don't. You know, it's funny, because sometimes Strowman's like just kind of people walking around, I don't love, but Wolverine in his costume, and the action, looks, it just fits his style. I mean, he draws just a really nice, kind of squatty, thick-faced, <laughs> that makes sense. Wolverine, uh, with a big cow, and, um, it's just kind of, yeah, it's kind of, uh, troll-ish almost, in a way. Um... But it looks good, and the colors um, really lend them... uh, You know, John and I in the last episode talked about how you can definitely tell that Oliver left the books, and maybe Oliver is a better fit with Silvestri. Wichiletto's colors really match Strowman really good. Like, it's a nice marriage. So visually, this is a very appealing book. The story's just kind of dumb. And, you know, I'm a a Peter David fan for the most part. His Wolverine stuff has been... The the flashback episodes that we've done in the Wolverine solo series by Peter David stories have not been particularly to my liking. I don't know if it's subject matter. It's not necessarily like he misses the character. Though There have been times in other issues where I was like, well, I don't know. But this one is not as much that it doesn't feel like Wolverine. It's just... I don't know. I just couldn't bring myself to really care about the. I mean, yeah, in real life, I don't want demons to eat babies. But as a <laughs> as a fictional Wolverine story, I'm not sure it's all that interesting. And especially, I mean, I think the most interesting part actually is that. Well, the most interesting, and also kind of maybe the most troublesome, uh, and I don't want to get into like, political stuff, but. So it's interesting that he's unable to save the first two ladies, and then of course the ghost babies, or the ghosts, or the unborn babies that are murdered uh, with their moms. Um, and so that kind of make, it's interesting because Wolverine, like of the three women he meets and wants to protect, he fails to protect two of them. So he only has like a 33% success rate, and that one just barely in the nick of time, which you know comic story, you, you want your hero to show up in the nick of time, no big deal. Um, but he fails two-thirds of the time, and that is kind of interesting, except for they don't really talk about it, or explore that, or what it means. I mean, he definitely has... He's definitely angry at the Beast for the violence it's doing, but there's not this, like, wrestling, like, oh, well, man, I really let these, these guys down, or... You know, I don't know, it's almost like... From the, the tone of the narration, and even the way the story just kind of jumps through the story, like, pretty quickly. is like the first two deaths, or, or four deaths, however you want to count it, are, are inconsequential. Um, there's just no real consequence to them other than pissing Wolverine off. Which is not necessarily a good thing for their... for I don't know, I mean... Not that you have time in this story to like fully develop all three of these women and talk about oh I'm having a boy or I'm having a girl, I'm gonna name this Mary or, you know, John or whatever. But so they there, they flirt, they die, Wolverine gets pissed off, he saves the last one. Um, from this kind of obscure, vague don't really see a lot of detail demon. It was kinda of like, um, the Shadow King form from, not the original, but the Mirror Island Saga one. Kind of the big, beefy, beastie Shadow King. Uh, kind of reminiscent design to that. Um, I don't know. I really struggled with what to rate this one. I mean, story-wise, I kind of want to give it a 2. But art-wise, I want to bump it up. Do I bump it up to a 3? Maybe if I just hadn't given 43 a 3. Because this is not as good as 43. Well, or maybe it kind of is. I don't know. Yeah, no, I just I didn't care for it. I'm gonna do uh I'm gonna do two out of six claws for Wolverine forty four. If someone was on here talking to me and they really liked it, I can maybe bump that up to a three. But um my two's two's the starting place. So that's that's it. Um we'll get back to the the hammer story uh, next time with Mr. Wilson again. Um, didn't want to point out a couple of things though while we're talking about flashback episodes. So um, my friend Grant on Twitter who has the uh, Sentinel of Liberty podcast, which you should all 100% check out because it's great. Um, anyway, his uh, his Twitter, let me find it real fast. It's the Sentinel of Liberty Sentinel sentinel of liberty podcast, but the actual Twitter handle is at what would cap do with an underscore between wood and cap. Anyway, he was uh, catching up on some flashback episodes and mentioned, um, some stuff about some of Claremont's original intent with Wolverine and asked if I, you know what I knew about it or thought about it. Um, this is actually one that I was not as familiar with. Apparently Claremont has, uh, What's the word? Not disposed. Um, anyway, revealed this in, in interviews and stuff. But um, so I guess his his long term game plan of Wolverine, which is is funny because you hear you know Wolverine's overarching overall popularity due in large part, respectively, to uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne, particularly on their Uncanny X Men run, really bringing Wolverine to the forefront. Which is interesting because you kind of get the impression from the way they talk about them outside the comics, they both kind of didn't always like Wolverine, but they are responsible for kind of a lot of who he is, which is interesting. But, um, and maybe that's oversimplifying things, but sometimes I just get the impression of listening to them talk, they're like, John Byrne's like, oh, Wolverine's one dimensional, and Chris Claremont's like, oh. Wolverine is is interesting, but there's only so many things you can do with them, and, and I'm sure there's other writers and creators and artists feel the same way about other characters as well. And if it's not your favorite, you probably don't care. Wolverine happens to be one of my favorites, so was like I don't get it, but whatever. It's just ironic though that they're two of the big like creators that probably you know if aren't on the Wolverine, Mount Rushmore, probably pretty close that are standing in the wings. Claremont is for sure. I think maybe argue Byrne, not that he wouldn't be there, but maybe someone else instead. But he, but he probably is. <laughs> anyway, um, so Claremont, I guess, had said that eventually, going into the 90s, um, until Hammer came on and kind of came up with his own thing, um, that his intention was to have Lady Deathstrike tear up Wolverine so bad that it gets rid of the adamantium armor like he's able to like purge it somehow or expunge it Um, and then eventually dies and then which is weird because anyway I'll go ahead and tell so, so Grant went on to say that you know the idea that Claremont had was to have him resurrected by the hand and be like you know a big arc super villain, like, for the X-Men, like the X-Men had to, like, take him down in, like, a big story, um, you know, as leader of the Hand. Um, of course, we see hint, hints of this in other stories later, right? Um, Enemy of the State is something that alludes to some being at least controlled by the Hand. Uh, Wolverine loses adamantium and fatal attractions, he eventually becomes a horseman in death and has to fight the X-Men, um, with Apocalypse. So, These things are not things that are exclusive to this idea. Um, But it brought up some interesting kind of points for me. Um, I'd be interested to hear what other people think. Well, first of all, have you heard that? Do you like anything? It would have been a cool story. I think it could have been. I'm curious, though, because the healing factor is kind of what keeps the adamantium in check. But I guess the idea, too, though, is in Claremont, or anything, really, until Claremont leaves... We don't get this like godlike healing factor, so I guess the adamantium losing the adamantium may have been enough to kill him, like just how painful and and whatever the, it was, um could kind have of caused his death. I like the idea of Death being the one that does it. Um, you could argue maybe more fitting for Sabertooth, but um neither of them kill him in the actual Death of Wolverine series that comes later. Um so I think it's cool that it's Death Strike that, that she's able to reclaim the adamantium actually gives some closure and kind of mission accomplished to her character because that's her whole thing is like you stole my father's legacy. So her like getting that back is actually kind of a cool idea. Um, being resurrected by the hand is, is fine. I mean it worked well kind of a different flavor of that enemy of the state so I think it could have been cool. It would have been interesting, though, so if he gets rid of the adamantium, at this point, that Claremont would have had this idea, bone claws weren't a thing yet. So now you can say, well, yeah, he got rid of it when he was resurrected as the hand leader or operative, he had his bone claws. But I'm curious if Claremont's idea was that he just, when he got rid of the adamantium, he wouldn't have claws anymore, or... It would almost be like uh, like X-23 is now, where her skeleton is not unbreakable, but her claws are still coated in adamantium. So I wonder if Claremont's idea was that the claws would remain, you know, razor-sharp adamantium, but just all the rest of it was gotten rid of. Um, You know, the idea then, of course... You know, Wolverine can be shot through the head or whatever to, to die, as well as drowning, or just the overall excruciating pain of losing the adamantium. Um, like I said, in Claremont's prime, no thought of Wolverine being able to heal from everything. You know, the especially because at this time that we're covering right now, which is would be before Claremont's idea, but not a whole lot before when he would have, I guess, eventually executed. I would have guessed. He probably would have attempted to execute this, like, in the adjectivist X-Men book had he kind of not been um, unceremoniously shuffled off of that. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing that's where it would have taken place. I mean, it would have been pretty badass if it was going to be a story to be done with Jim Lee Art, right? I mean, that's what you would want to see. Um, but, yeah, I'm curious, you know, whether... Uh, whether this resurrected Wolverine without Adam would be completely clawless. I mean, now, like I said, now you retcon the Bone Claws, or if you would have somehow kept a version of the Claws, or, like um, in some of the flashback episodes before, or, (laughs) that's what I do, in some of the flashback stories in the comics before we learn about the Bone Claws, Wolverine takes up other claw-like weapons, so maybe the idea was, I'm used to using these Claws, so I'll just replace them with something. Uh, could have been a cool idea, too. Um, anyway, I was ashamed that when uh, Grant brought this up, I did not know about it, but I was definitely very interested in it. Um, I'm curious why, though. Because this was Claremont's intent, and it sounds like a pretty big story. Why didn't he do this in his uh, X-Men... What was it? X-Men Forever? Where he can? "Quote unquote," continued his run. Like what could have been? Seems like he would have would have maybe focused on that song because it sounds. I mean, it sounds to me like the kind of story. Like if you've done like a big generation spanning run, that's kind of like your swan song, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a beloved X Men kill him, make him evil, make the X-Men defeat him, maybe give him some redemption through that defeat, and then, hey, you know what, I'm going to leave the X-Men on my own terms now. Uh, So that could have been cool, too. I mean, obviously a lot of what-ifs that go with that, never got the chance to execute it, so, you know, so sorry. Um, I did want to point out, well, first of all, thank you, Grant, for sending that over, I was. Really excited to, to read your tweet and talk to you about it a little bit, and then uh, also to talk about it here for the podcast listeners. Um, so I would love any kind of feedback to that at all um, from the listeners. Um, another thing, that I've been thinking about something that I said, and so you're probably hearing this around the same time, and some of you are probably formulating your thoughts and letting me know that I'm an idiot, um, <laughs> or that you think I'm an idiot anyway, because I mentioned in the last episode uh, with, with Mr. John Wilson that I thought the dad bomb kind of came out of nowhere, and he was like, and he disagreed, and said, well, actually, I think there's lots of hints at it, and I thought about that some more, and I really, I don't I'm not going to fully agree with him. Like I said, I'm not going to walk myself backwards, but I do definitely see his point more now that I've thought about it and cheated on it some more. I think, so a little context for me. So it talked about how 41 like I bought, alright, so as a child as a kid, teenager had bought some random Wolverine back issues and stuff and had caught on after his Punisher War Journal story and then, you know, getting into X-Men. And 41 was kind of my first real foray into, like, collecting. I had, like, some early issues from the teens and jumped out um, after basically after Claremont left and then didn't pick it back up again until 41. So I didn't have a lot of... So, in, in this story that we just covered with John, Sabretooth says, I'm your dad. Wolverine's like, I don't believe it. And then Fury says, Well, he's not your dad, but he really does think he does. Or he really thinks he is. And that's why I said that. Like, he's, As far as he knows, he's telling the truth. It's just not the truth. He's delusional. Um, and so, going back and reading old Wolverine Sabretooth stories, any hint that they might be related in that way, I already knew, at least subconsciously, wasn't true. Now, I think there's a lot of clues, a ton of clues, and we've talked about this on several episodes, that they have a past together. Um, From the get-go, they seem to know each other, they seem to not like each other. Um, You know, from their first fight, they're kind of antagonizing each other and talking about possible past encounters And I think maybe you can read some of that... And I don't know if there's anything... I'm going to talk to John about this again... When he's on the next Flashback episode... Is there anything anything particular that says it has to be paternal... Or whether that's just one possibility... And so he wasn't surprised... When the nature of the relationship... From Sabertooth's point of view was thought to be paternal... But having already read these first even when i did the, the the podcast going back and reading those i think i automatically just kind of filtered it through even trying to build it through as like reading it or covering it for the first time that yeah there's definitely a connection but nothing jumped out like father to me and so that's what i meant when i kind of said the the dad bomb was kind of out of left field even though i do agree with john that that larry hammer was taking some preconceptions and some hints, throwing them in front of you and then pulling them back, right? Like, which is very clever and, and made for a great story. Um, I think maybe where I missed that was that I had already filtered those old stories through this story, and knowing that the idea of Sabretooth being his dad was a tease, but they're definitely somehow related. Um, so anyway, I and I remember thinking, and we'll find out exactly what happens as we go through, even after reading these as a kid, I was like, Oh, he's not his dad, then who is he? Is he his brother? Is you know, what do they do? They definitely know each other and he's not his dad anymore. So anyway, I just just wanna kinda of clarify where I came from on that, um because I'm sure some of you I'm sure most of you were probably in the same camp as John and being like, Well, yeah, there's a ton of references to, to his being his dad. Why? What did you mean? It came out of left field. So, I'm not saying I'm right at all. I'm just saying maybe a little context to why I maybe read it a little bit differently. And, really probably wouldn't have talked about this, except for I needed to pad out this episode a little bit. So <laughs> that's what I did. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's gonna do it for this bonus flashback episode. Hope you enjoyed. My very quick coverage of Wolverine 44, which was not my favorite issue, but, you know, the one interesting thing, and this is kind of a warm-up for David and Strowman's new X-Factor book, or the new Direction in X-Factor, which I am pretty excited to read. I have some fond memories of that, and so, you know, there's definitely some interesting points to this issue, and it's definitely a nice little warm-up for that. Um, Just didn't quite click for me. From a writing standpoint. But. Anyway. That's going to do it. So. um, Up next. I think. Should be. um, Kind of the first wave. Of Don of X. With the. Scalabros. And then we'll get. uh, John back here. As soon as we can. To. uh, Do some more. uh, Solo Wolverine. So. As always. For the podcast. That goes snicked. uh, You can like. The Facebook page. Twitter is. At Snickcast. Show notes at snickcast.podbean.com, and until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks, bye bye, and snat.